Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have been journeying through covenant theology, and the we in that is Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Ryan Hemfell from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian, and Vinnie Hinky from Valley Life Community Church. Gentlemen, thank you for just a lot of just wonderful conversations and mm-hmm. insights that you've provided for not just the, our listeners, but for me. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, appreciate it. So this is our last scheduled day to be talking about covenant theology. Some of you, I'm sure, mixed emotions. Some will be <laughs> thankful to move on. Some will say, hey, this was beneficial. I hadn't really thought about covenant theology, but hopefully it has been a good journey for you as well. We want to just cover some just fairly rapid-fire questions um, at the end here. Um, Hopefully some just very practical questions about, okay, the so what. So first, how does covenant theology bring us a better understanding of the gospel? First of all, covenant theology with the beginning of understanding, you know, the covenant of redemption and the covenant of works, um, you know, we we recognize first of all that none of us are none of us uh, are saved by a covenant of works. Um, you know, Adam was bound to keep the covenant to obey God perfectly, and none of us can obey God perfectly, and this is why when we talk about the covenant of grace, it makes all the difference in the world because this covenant of grace, um, you know, Christ undertakes it. He keeps the whole law for his people. He suffers the punishment that's due our our sins. And so, um, you know, it, it really does, you know, it grounds me in the in the graciousness of God. I can't, you know, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And this, and the covenant is grounding me there. It's it's bringing me back to understanding that um, there's nothing I can do. Christ had to fulfill the law for me, and he had to and he had to die for me. Yeah. I think for me, it, it, it's that vertical reorientation of my understanding of, of grace and salvation, that we get God, right? the core promise of the covenant, I will be your God and you will be my people. That that reorients me to tell me what the gospel is. It's not fire insurance. It's not temporary peace. It's not an alleviation to my best life now. It is an eternal promise of paradise. Not it. <laughs> this this, this is, is brought to you by... This is um, just, that's a, like an a radio amen to what right. is, yeah. the hey. Vinny is saying. It <laughs> might have sounded like, like a phone ringing, but no, it was actually just it's a, like that a, a radio amen. It's like yeah. the thunder that happens when the pastor makes a point. Yes. Right. yes. <laughs> I, I think this whole idea, a better understanding of the gospel, for me, covenant theology truly helps me understand the work of Jesus Christ. Yeah provides a focus on well why did he come and then you begin to to think about and talk about well he came to do the will of his father well what was the will of the father um well the will of the father was to secure the salvation of a people that couldn't secure their own well they need someone else they need a mediator they need someone that can come that is truly god and truly man 
Why? Well, we, we need somebody that's truly man in order to fulfill the covenant of works. Well, now all of a sudden you just open up this whole covenant theology because that's what the gospel is. Um, it's, it's, it's understanding the covenant of redemption, covenant of works, covenant of grace. Yep. Yeah, it also roots us in, the, in a, a thematic understanding of Scripture from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Right? It helps mm-hmm. us make sense of God's word from front from the opening chapters of Genesis and the establishment of the covenant of works, which we talked about to the closing chapter of revelation. Again, which we talked about with the fulfillment of the covenant of grace. Um, all, all of that helps me understand that the gospel is not just some new Testament message, uh, but it's yeah. the story of God. Right. And, the, and the, this isn't some like plan B, you yes. know, God's not trying to figure things out along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not responding to things that happen on earth. Like he didn't expect it, but no, he's decreed these things. These are part of his plan. Mm-hmm in order to unfold his purpose and to accomplish his covenant. So then a related question, how does covenant theology give us greater assurance in the gospel? So the first one was about a greater understanding. How, how does this give us greatest, greater assurance of the gospel? I think one way it does is looking at a covenant that was made between two peoples that um, God took very seriously. And that is when uh, the people of God were coming into the promised land. There was a, a group, the Gibeonites, that tricked them. And God had said to not make a covenant with any nation of that land. But they were tricked. They made a covenant. Once they found out, the people of God were going to wipe them out. But uh, cooler heads prevailed and said, no, we've made a covenant in the name of the Lord. And we can't destroy these people. Well, fast forward, when Saul's king he tries to do something that he thinks will please the people and he goes and he nearly wipes out this group of people. And there are consequences that God brought upon him because he broke this covenant that uh, God himself didn't make. And the reason why I mention it is God's name was invoked in that, although it was between two nations and God honored it. If God's going to honor that, how much more the covenant that he's made will he ensure that it's going to be done? And uh, I think that gives me great comfort in knowing that because God has made these covenants, my salvation is not dependent on how I fulfill the covenant, but on God's promises and his fulfillment of it. Yeah. The, the co- again, the co- core covenant co- promise, I will be your God and you will be my people. Mm-hmm. They're always held by the higher authority. It, it's that God is the originator, keeper, and fulfiller of the promises. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of uh, Peter's encouragement, like when we are faithless, he is faithful. I mm-hmm. I think the Psalms give us just beautiful covenantal language. And, mm-hmm. and one of the phrases that you'll find over and over throughout the Psalms is the phrase steadfast love mm-hmm. and faithfulness. Yeah, Psalm 136. And, and that's yep. covenant language. Um, what it's saying is that God has an everlasting covenant love for his people that is sure. Um, and so every time you come across that, to me, that's an, that's an assurance that my salvation is not based upon me. My salvation is based upon the character of God, and God has to be true to himself. Right. Yeah, when we yeah. hear the promise of everlasting life, it is, it is a promise that comes from God. And, you know, the psalmist picks up on, on you know, aspects of this in Psalm 89 where God's, God says, you know, once for all, I've sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. I will not alter a word that went forth from my lips. 
you know it you know and then he compares it to the faithful witness of the moon and the and the sun and the you know the the faithful witness in the sky now we do know that someday heaven and earth is going to pass away but uh, we also told not a word of god is going to pass away right. it's going to endure forever yep third quote unquote rapid fire question how does covenant theology work against individualism in the church well, again, I think if we go back to those three elements that we've talked about as part of a covenant, people, paradise, and presence of God, we start with that first one. Uh, the covenant is always established with a community of people. So when we enter into it, we are entering into it not with the visible people of God that we might be living with at our time in history, but I'm also a member of the covenant with Adam, with Noah, with Moses, uh, with Abraham, with David, with all of the, the Hebrews 12 mm-hmm. you know, f- heroes of our faith. Mm-hmm. All of those people, I'm entered into a community. And so there's, an, uh, there's a communal understanding that in covenant theology, I have a history. My family's way bigger than just my local expression of that church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, covenant has always been in the context of community. I mean, even in the garden, you know, when it was just Adam, and yet it was with him, it was with him and his posterity. I mean, it, there's a communal aspect to it from every everything. And I mean, you could even and whenever God has initiated covenant, it's always with that in view. Like we are not meant to be isolated Christians. There's God doesn't think of Christians in isolation. Um, he does deal with this individually. He, he knows us individually, but he's also made promises that are of a covenantal nature that are in community. Well, there, and, and, and it's not just the community of individuals, but it's also the community of our own families. I mean, one of the great blessings of covenant theology is not only that I get this promise, but my children can have this promise too. This promise is offered to them. That you know, and this is you know, we see in Deuteronomy where or where God says to those people, he 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 says, because I love the fathers, I chose the children after them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he says to his, you know, um, you know. Zacchaeus, Jesus says to Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just I'm choosing you, but, uh, you know, this blessing is going to be, this blessing has a covenantal aspect that includes more than just you. Mm-hmm. Union with Christ has become kind of a popular um, Christian topic of today, which I absolutely endorse and agree with. I think it is essential to understand union with Christ. Um, But when you begin to talk about union with Christ, um, which is just another way of talking about the gospel, the scriptures always talk about our union with Christ and the extension of that, that that also means union with all those that are in Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, so when we get Christ, we also get all of Christ's people. And being united to him, we are his body. Yes. And we're not all hands and we're not all eyes or ears. And I think really an individualistic Christianity is a lazy Christianity because it's hard to be in community sometimes and it's hard to be held accountable. And But it's it's what we're called to do and it's what we're called to be in this covenant community where God has promised to deal with us. And sometimes that's through the ministry of his people. And the bottom line is the scripture doesn't talk about an individual Christianity. Yeah. It, it just, that is a foreign concept 
through the word of God. I mean, the, the sense is that once we're in Christ, we are brought into a community of faith that involves all those that are in Christ. And it's not an option like, yes, I'll, I'll interact with that one, I'll take that one, nope, that one not so much. Right. You get it all. Because all those that are in Christ, you are united to, um, and it's all 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 in. Yeah, right. it's interesting that you know when Jesus is on his way to the cross and he's ministering to people, and the people say your your mother and brothers are outside, and he says, "Who are my mothers and brothers?" And he looks at his disciples and the people that are listening to him, and he says, "You're my." mothers and brothers and sisters you know mm-hmm. that this is the community um the community of faith that he's pointing to and like you know Vinny, you mentioned i mean god is saving for himself a people not mm-hmm. a person yeah mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah i think to make a connection to cultural you know the idea of identity politics and intersectionality that, that goes on um is really isolating people down to their individual makeup and we have a beautiful opportunity as a church when we will enter into this beautiful spirit of community that crosses ages, uh, economic statuses, backgrounds, languages. Yep. We have a beautiful uh, picture to show the world the future paradise of God's kingdom mm-hmm. and, and to live into a better way rather than being isolated into my individualistic self. And right. all I know is my differences from you across from me. Yep. If you want more information on that, Reformation Boise 2022 is talking about the, the church. church. Oh, Church Arise, October 21st, 22nd. Dr. Derek Thomas, Dr. Joel Beakey, if you want more information on that and to register for this free conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. See you next time. Bye-bye. 